far as we're working through this chapter, we see that we don't have to beg. We don't have to beg for the favor of God. We also see that we can't earn God's favor. It's something that you can't, you can't just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast twice a week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe all that, I, the, of all that I have. We can't beg for it, can't earn it. Key point number three, can't buy it. Can't buy God's favor. Let's pick back up verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked Jesus saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now let's pause there just real quick. I want to make an observation. The rich young ruler didn't just call him teacher. That would have been very common. Teacher or rabbi. You know, you're the, you're the teacher, you're the rabbi. You know, tell us this. But this rich young ruler, he had a, another word with it. He used the word good. He says, good teacher. Now, we use the word good all the time. I mean, it's, it's in our culture, right? I mean, we, we say things like, man, that pizza was good. Or, man, those burgers last night, man, they were good. Uh, you know, CJ is a good chef, right? We say those things, right? We say, yeah, this is good. These things are good. You might say, hey, did you see that movie, uh, Jesus Revolution? It was good. We say things like that all the time. You might even say good teacher. You, know, you say, you know, Miss Smith? She is a good teacher. You might, uh, there's lots of things that we can say good, and we say it commonly in our culture, right? But in Jesus' day, they didn't call pizza good if they had pizza. Which they would have, maybe they would have called it good if they had pizza. <laughs> now that I think about it, no, hear me on this. In Jesus' day, the word good, as it's used here, was used exclusively as a description for God. This guy, this rich young ruler, says, good teacher. And then Jesus hears that, and it's like, wait, what? Did, did you just, did you say that and know what you meant? Or did, did you just say that and not really know the significance of what you're saying? So Jesus is responding not, to, not, not like he's not scolding him. It's like, why do you call me good? You know, only God is good. No, he's like, do you realize what you just said? Are you aware of who I am? Do you realize the depths that you have just acknowledged me as God? He's right. That's exactly what the rich young ruler did. And so Jesus' question, why do you call me good? is like saying, do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're saying? Are you acknowledging that Jesus is God incarnate? Or was he simply trying to appeal to the ego of the teacher? That's what Jesus was, you know, like, think about this. What are you trying to do? He's not wrong. Jesus is a good teacher. But understand this. Jesus is God in the flesh. So, let's pick back up. Verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. 
And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and dis- distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Then Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. Now let's pause there again. Because when I read through that, I have to laugh a little bit about what's going on here. Not because what Jesus is about to endure is funny, but because of the response of the disciples. Jesus could not have made it any clearer. I mean, think about this. Jesus could not have been any clearer. Listen listen again. The Son of Man will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked. That's pretty clear. Insulted. That's pretty clear. And spit upon. That's pretty clear. They will scourge him. That's pretty clear. And kill him. That's pretty clear. Can, do you, can Jesus have been any clearer? I mean, we know what's about to happen, and we're looking at that list and going, yep. I mean, if that were a checklist, you'd go, yep, 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 yep. That happened, that happened, that happened. So it seems very clear. But then we read to this part, and the third day he will rise again. And then you think to yourself, well, maybe that's the part that tripped up the disciples. They were going, I don't get that. I don't understand. I don't understand that. Maybe they, maybe they just didn't understand what it meant to, be, to, to rise again. However, listen, that's not the case. Listen, it says, but they understood none of these things. Jesus said he's going to be spit upon wonder what he means by that. Jesus is going to be scourged. Huh. wonder what that means. He's going to, they're going to kill him. wonder what he means by that. It's, it's almost absurd, right? I mean, it's so obvious that the disciples, are, they, didn't, they didn't get it. But hear me on this. <laughs> this is the disciples... This is another good example of, you know, sometimes Jesus spoke in such a way that they're going, 
I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. And even when he spoke plainly, they were going, I still don't get it. I don't know. I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. But let's consider this. Have you ever wondered what became of this rich, young ruler? Whatever happened to him? You know, what, what happened to this guy? Well, Matthew tells us that at the end of this, this same scenario, by the way, this is not a parable. Uh, typically, uh, you, know, um, you know, parables are very clearly identified. This is not a parable because this is someone who asked Jesus a question. This is someone who's interacting with Jesus, has a very specific question. Jesus had a response for him. So it's not a parable. It's a real person with a real question for Jesus. Matthew account has, in Matthew's account, he tells us that not only was he sorrowful, but he walked away sad because he had so much wealth. So he's sorrowful, and now he's, he's like, he's just walking away. He's got so much wealth. And I, you can't help but go, did he ever come back? Was that it? Is that all we're ever going to hear from him again? Well, I've got good news for you. We're going to hear from him again. When we get to the book of Acts, we're going to read about him. His name is Barnabas. Barnabas was a very wealthy young man. And at this point, at this time, he comes before God and he's going, you know, God, what, what happens? What, what a, and he walked away sad. You know what he does in Acts, in the book of Acts? He sells everything that he has. Everything he has. The property that he owns. Every single thing that Barnabas has. He sold it all and said, I'm in. I'm ready to follow you. And we're going to look at that when we get to the book of Acts. Luke, Luke wrote these two accounts. He wrote the gospel according to Luke, and he wrote Acts. So here he's given us this insight, this prelude, if you will, to Barnabas. And then when we get to the book of Acts and we read about his, we see this rich young ruler. What did he do? He did exactly what Jesus told him to do when they had this first encounter. He sold everything and then came to follow Jesus. So... How should we think about this encounter? Well, God's favor isn't something that can be bought. It's not that we can uh, buy God's favor. In fact, here's what we can observe. Money can become an obstacle. In the same way that the widow had all of these obstacles preventing her from coming before the judge, money can be the obstacle. Um, are you familiar with the game Would You Rather? You remember? The, you know, it's a fun, fun little game. We used to play it all the time years ago. Uh, the idea is this. You have to pick between two presented choices. For example, uh, this, this has always been one of my favorite, ex- excuse my uh, humor, but would you rather have bird, a bird do on your head or step in dog do? Yeah, if you, you, the premise of the game is you, you have to choose. You don't want to. The obvious answer is what? Neither. But the premise of the game is that you got to choose. You know, you got a choice between a bird do on your head or stepping in dog do. Who's the bird do people? You know, anybody? Dog, dog do step in it? Most of yeah. I'm with you. I'm not thinking maybe the dog do. Spray it off, you're done. The hair, whew, that's a whole thing, right? And we digress. But here's the thing. Here's a better would-you-rather question. 
Would you rather have a million dollars? Sounds promising, right? Or God's favor? Which one would you rather have? Well, again, the answer seems obvious. Both, right? In the same way, if I said, you know, a bird do or dog do, the immediate answer is what? Neither. In this case, now we want to do what? I want both. I want both. But the premise of the game is what? You have to choose one or the other. Well, let me tell you what I know. I may never have a million dollars, but I have had God's favor. And here's what I know about it. A million dollars may be nice, but you want and need God's favor. You need it. You should want it. You should need it. You should desire it and pursue it more, more so than a million dollars. More so. And that's the challenge, right? Jesus recognizes this rich young ruler, he's got an obstacle. And the first thing he needs to do is what? Remove the obstacle. Remove that obstacle. So that what? That he can come and follow Jesus.